Hi, welcome to the Unexpected Experts podcast. This is the Upload Download, a more laid back conversation about our perspectives on any number of topics as an upload to you and the things we are reading, learning and downloading ourselves. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Welcome, 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 everybody. Uh, we've got another episode of Unexpected Experts. Um, this week, um, Andrea is going to intro our guest because she knows our guest and I don't. <laughs> funny. That's all that we get. Done. Um, <laughs> You're good. My You're turn. Fine. Uh, hello and welcome. Yes. Um, Lisette is on with us this week and Lisette, oh my gosh, what did we say? 2005-ish. So I was... Let me age you here for a moment. Thank you, I was thank you. <laughs> 15 years old, I think, when we met. Um, and she became the youth pastor. I, I guess I say age you, but I'm not disclosing your age. So she's not that old, you guys. Um, 12. <laughs> that's probably illegal, but that's okay. Um, Is it was legal the, to hire someone on staff at a church at that age? I don't know. <laughs> Probably. I don't have to be 16 to get a job. Anyways, we're off track already. Um, Lisette was the youth pastor at the church that I grew up at. Um, And so we have many fond memories, I think, in our... Many. In our long history of long ago. Um, We've been on a few mission trips together to Mexico. Um, We, I guess I did... When I graduated high school, then I came full circle and started working on the youth team with her and her sidekick, youth pastor person. Um, And I don't know. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know what memories other than that. Like, there's just so many core memories in those specific moments mentioned that I don't even know where I would go beyond that. But anyways, we have not seen each other in a number of years because Lisette (laughs) moved down to the States um, with her family and they're still there. We don't, I mean, we don't know why, but I mean, she's living by a beach now, so I guess there's that. I mean, I guess that's probably why. I would choose to live by a beach (laughs) rather than in snow um, for sure during the next few months. So um, yeah, she has moved over across across a few states and back and she's now back in LA and living up a sweet rental life right now. And I know what that's like. So, um, props to you guys. Um, you, you and Kyle are now empty nesters, which is bonkers wild to me. Um, I think that's the part that's going to age me right there. That one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, nothing said before that did it, but that was was the one. Your kids are still young, though. At least they are in my mind. But they they have flown the nest. They to have. Go it's, and, rude. It's, it's rude. It's rude. <laughs> and they're doing some pretty cool things. Whether or not you want to share what they're doing is up to you. But, um, yeah. So it's just kind of neat. We, Jamo and I wanted to explore um, a little mini-series on some um, just, like, church-type stuff. Not, like where are you at with church necessarily, but more along the lines of how church has affected your life, whether it be negative or positive, um, and kind of just like talk through that with a few different people. And so we wanted to have Lisette on today to talk about um, church hurt and what that kind of looks like, explore um, experiences with it, um, healing from it, 
um, all those kinds of things. So we're super pumped that you're on. We're super pumped yeah. that we could do this. Um, so I'm grateful and also just excited to hear some of your brain dumped on our episode. <laughs> Feels dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> we're here for it. It is that we were talking about this before we hit record and it is like a full on like whatever 360 degree turn from our last episode talking about Taylor oh, yeah. Swift. So what, um, 180, 180. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Two turns though would make us really confused. Right. I don't sure. know. Anyway, yeah, you, you would just be dizzy by the end of it. How's exactly. Yeah. I'm already dizzy. So, um, anyways, thanks for coming on. Yeah. Thank <laughs> you. Um, <laughs> thanks for spending a little bit of your evening with us and yeah. So, if you, wanted to sh- if you wanted to share anything <laughs> about your journey um, before you get started and then kind of just jump in and talk about, um, I guess, in terms of church hurt, what, what that means to you, what it looks like, however you want to kind of open up that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a big old can of worms. Um, I think... <laughs> How much time do we have? I think, I, I guess I should probably just say, I mean, I'm talking about it, but I'm also like a local church pastor totally. and I actually, right, actually yeah. believe in the local church. And yet I think the current construct of so many of our churches, especially in the Western world can be so wildly harmful to people. Mm-hmm. And so here we are, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I feel like I walk this funny tension of believing in it so deeply and being so frustrated by the ways that totally. it can be so wildly hurtful. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I, that's why I think it's an important conversation because it doesn't help if we all just hang out and pretend like <laughs> things are really painful. hunky-dory. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's an interesting, so. like even just with that though, like, um, I feel like it's a healthy balance to truly believe in something, but also recognize that there is, you know, just like a bit of a muddled view on what mm. it can be too. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And what do you do with that? I mean, yeah. So what do you do with that? Um, so church hurts. Yeah. Jump on in. <laughs> Jump on in. How Two do feet. we want to talk about it? Let's go. Um, like what what initially yeah. comes to your mind when you even hear the words church hurt? Like what what's the first feelings or the first words or descriptor descriptors or experiences that like come to your mind when you hear sure. that? Great question. I mean, I think to me it's like um there's a lot of interesting writing around uh, church systems and family systems functioning the same way. And I think part of the reason church hurt is such a thing is because you're dealing with like a family um, and there's nobody that can hurt you more than the people who are supposed to love you the most and be the safest to you. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think the reason it tends to be so harmful is, so I think it comes to mind is it's family wounds. It's Mm -hmm. a place that you love and you trust and you believe one thing about, and then you experience something so different about. I think that's why it's so hurtful and why like it feels so dissonant when Mm -hmm. it happens. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, and I think it can be any number of things, right? I mean, I think it's from what we've watched happen in the Catholic church to, you know, a ton of abuse that Mm -hmm. has been covered up for centuries to, um, massive mega churches, particularly in the U S that are psycho to the fact that you just deal with power dynamics in any number of scenarios or the fact that somebody who should have been lovely and kind 
wasn't. Mm. And so there's so many layers to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't, I don't even know where you go with that, but yeah. we'll just start there. <laughs> Throw yeah, that. There's, there's yeah. so many rabbit trails we could go down there. Holy cow. Sure. It, yeah. <laughs> it feels like, I mean, yeah, there's a whole lot of like expectation versus reality. I feel like when it comes to the church and like mm. relationship sure. with church too. Um, and I feel like, like, I mean, I think we all can say what well, we all are saying. We, the three of us grew up in the church, um, different churches, but the church and different experiences and different hurts along the way that kind of shape us and bring us to where we are today, but not even necessarily, like, I don't know when I think very surface level about my childhood experience, I don't know if I could pinpoint the church hurt necessarily, but know that there like almost for sure were moments of hurt along the way. Um, but yeah, like that expectation versus reality, like you expect that the church is going to be that safe place. And then mm-hmm. the reality is that it's not always the safe place for everyone, which is right. unfortunate. Yeah. And now we're living in this culture where I feel like the church, the church has, you know, been given this like general negativity that's mm-hmm. now imposed upon it. And I, I'm finding that it's just really hard to sort of navigate between my personal thoughts and verse like versus what um, the church is leading us to believe and then how that's affecting relationships that I have with people mm-hmm. outside the church or that have walked away from the church um, and, and realizing that there is hurt being a part of the church still Mm -hmm. um, towards those people who are no longer a part of the church and like, good grief. Is it ever (laughs) complicated? Crappy. Like I I saw this meme a little while ago, like on a Insta or on a, on a Facebook group that I'm part of. And it's like, when someone asks me if I'm a Christian or if I'm still a Christian and it's just the scene from, uh, (laughs) It's always sunny in Philadelphia where he's got like all the red yarn on the wall and it's like the whole conspiracy. It's like, oh, where do you yeah. even start? Where do <laughs> like, you even start? Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's a common thing too. Like I feel like a lot of people in my, well, I shouldn't say that because then I'm generalizing, but um, there are a few people in, in circles that I'm a part of that are like, oh, I don't really call myself a Christian right now, but I still have a relationship with God. And I'm like, what does that mean? Like, how does that, what does that look like? Like, I guess, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know where to go from that, but there's just so many complex things with this whole debate and goings on of the Well, (laughs) is there any room for a little bit of both and is what I kind of wonder. Yeah. Like I was, I saw this, um, there's a gal I follow on Instagram. So whatever, for whatever that's worth. She, um, well, you are verified, so. Well, whatever. She probably but feels she, special. Ooh, that's, <laughs> that's quite the flex. That's quite the flex. <laughs> but she is, like, deconstructing things a lot, but mm. a lot around family as well mm-hmm. as church, which is interesting. So anyway, she wrote, um, uh, so not trying to dive us into a whole other level sure. of waters, but it was a fascinating post. Um, she had to devise, she's struggling with gender and sexuality as well. So she had done this whole like poll asking kids how they felt or asking people there, they're not kids, mostly adults, how they feel about their parents. And do they feel like they can tell their parents everything? Mm. And 
then the question was, so how can you call that an authentic relationship if they can't accept or know everything about you? And so it, and then it turned almost into a conversation around why you should therefore not have a relationship with your parents. And I was like, whoa, that's like a hard leap, like a whole lot of, and I just thought, man, I feel like culturally that's what we want to do all the time right now is we kind of want to go. So if you don't a hundred percent with something, you have to be in or out as opposed to being willing to say like, of course, um, my kids believe differently than I do about certain things. Totally. I believe differently than my parents about certain 100%. How could I not? Are there things they probably think I'm absolutely a nut job on? Absolutely. I know they do. And do I think the same about my own children? Absolutely. I do. If that meant we couldn't have relationship, do I know like also that I've probably hurt my children over the years? Yes. Mm, Did mm. I do so on purpose? Absolutely not. Of course, of course not. And then also probably did I have some crazy moments when (laughs) I was just crazy and unhelpful? Probably. Mm. Um, And then you just go, but if that always means I can't, it's one or the other, that Mm -hmm. feels so hard. Yeah. Um, That also being said, I had a really unhealthy bio dad Mm. who was emotionally really abusive and a really unhealthy human. Mm. And did I choose to actually draw a hard line in my life with him? I absolutely did that as well. So I feel like it's like, where's the distinction between um, things that are hurtful and hard, but we can work through them and have a relationship with them, but I might just guard myself in certain ways. And then where's the, like, you're actually like toxic, dangerous, I need out. Those are two different things. But I feel like we try to lump that all into one bucket when it comes to church right now. Totally. Um, Which feels Yeah, like the the same care that you have with with familial relationships is not Mm -hmm. the same care that we tend to have with those church relationships. And that same dynamic. Yeah, totally. We we just want to throw the whole thing out. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, there is there is that relationship that you've got to navigate with the church and with the people in the church. And yep. by separating what you're so involved in, Lisette, being the local church from something like a mega church or a mega church mentality. Sure. Yeah. You know, like that's that's huge, too. Yeah. Right. But that's that's interesting. Like going back to what you were saying about family relationship and church relationship and the yep. way that churches are very similar to a family dynamic Mm, mm -hmm. and like i'm just thinking about how this like how it relates to attachment theory and attachment relationships Mm -hmm. i have so many theories about that (laughs) somebody somewhere has done research on this i haven't met them um because i work closely tied to a research institute but they do many other things um I've always had a curiosity, like when you say that, actually, I always had this curiosity about um, the way church has become, I'm going to sound crazy, roll with me, Uh, the way church church has become, (laughs) especially I would say, so you could track it really in the 1960s, 70s, took a hard turn in the way church was understood and the way people were trained to lead in the church. And it's when the whole church growth movement started. Mm, it's when mm-hmm. we saw the first mega church, I think was mm. in 1970. So there was like a, like a really big shift let's in North America in particular. Like, like the um, Jesus movement and everything. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Came yeah. out of the kind of the end of it, tail end of that. Uh, it's when youth ministry started for the first time was in that season. Like, it's really fascinating to like watch the history of it. Yeah. Um, but I, 
I wondered in the midst of all of that, the other thing that we started seeing for the first time was instead of it being like churches that were very family oriented, right? It was very like, this is where you went and this is where my grandparents went. And it was like part of your community, part of the fabric of things that way. It started shifting more into like the business and the show and the da 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 which meant people started doing a lot. It became more consumeristic. So people did a lot more church hopping and church shopping, which was probably not even a term. Right. 70 years ago. Yeah. People wouldn't have, that wouldn't have even, but I always started wondering if there was any connection with people's willingness to start severing ties at churches to move on to another one, which I've never watched that not be very harmful and hurtful for people to make that decision Mm. um, because it never comes from something easy, how that has played into attachment and actually divorce rates Mm. um, and the ability to walk away from relationships more and more and more in your life because you attach less every time, right? So I can't imagine, Uh. I think about the very first church I worked at and the young people I worked with, um, Bow Valley was really the second. So that was like, man, my heart just about wrecked coming Mm. out of that. And then I was like, how could I ever love another like anyone again. Yeah. It's literally how it felt. Yeah. Right. Yeah like, yeah. like a breakup really. Totally. <laughs> he did. Yeah. And it was like, for me, it was even a job on yeah. like, it was a career job totally. calling, but also yeah. like, yeah. And so I always wondered, I wonder if there's a connection to attachment and the ability to reattach when you have to keep moving from something, the totally. ability to, yeah. So I don't know. Well, mm. and I wonder too, like what, what part you play in whatever that attachment looks like, you know, like, so like when it comes to divorce, like, are you the person who chose the divorce? Are you the person who's the, who was the divorcee, I guess. Um, and, or are you the kid who was Mm abandoned? Like there's that whole, like all the abandonment issues, like all that kind of stuff. Like there's probably different ways, um, that a person is affected based on what position they play in that, 100% 100% situation too yeah. that's interesting hmm yeah, yeah and like in in a church dynamic it's like were you a pastor or were you someone mm-hmm. in leadership were you on yeah. the payroll yeah or were you, were you a congregant mm-hmm. like there's there's all totally. those relationships within totally. within the church that one can occupy and that's still interesting. experience that hurt I'm sure there's correlation like there probably. there must be 100% especially if it like numbers are spiking at the same time yeah it's interesting mm-hmm. relating it to like a breakup because it is really, it's very much like yeah. a breakup yep. in a way. Like I, I left my parents' church when I turned 20 mm-hmm. and then I went to another church for about two years. I helped sort of plant another church, which is kind of a mega church flavor and vibe <laughs> and like borderline narcissistic, like charismatic leaders and, hmm, and like bummer. I wanted nothing to do with it. Um and then I helped plant another church. I was there for like two and a half years and I got really burned out. And then I was just kind of done with church for a while. And so I, uh-huh. I started casually attending another church with my brother. Hmm. And that's the church that I go to now. And really, like, I don't go to church unless I'm playing, like, mm. unless I'm playing bass on a Sunday. Then got it. That's, yep. that's the time I go. Cause I just like having my weekends off, y'all. <laughs> oh, gosh. I like being able to sleep Fair. in. LOL. Uh, <laughs> but like that that's a few breakups with different yeah. churches and with yeah, different yeah, yeah. families and organizations and people yeah. that I've had, right? And some of them were kind of forced upon me. Some of them I made the conscious decision to leave. But every departure kind of leaves people and relationships in the wake 
mm-hmm. either for for better or for worse. Totally. So yep. I don't know. What what does that make you think of? Yeah. Well, I think at first just makes me so sad because I just think there's such a price to pay for all of that, right? Like even for you, I imagine there has been a price in all of that that um, some of it can be form- formative and helpful and wonderful, I'm sure, and some Definitely. of it can be wildly hurtful. And and so I think there's that. I think there's a, a wondering in our current culture, um, just our ability to travel more, move more, all those things. I just think people tend to move, make mm-hmm. bigger moves and make all those things. Um, I just wonder where we start to help people um, process transition better. Mm. I don't know that. Mm. I feel like we haven't left a lot of room for people to just make a decision to make a decision. It's almost like it has to be attached to a crisis. And so, or Hmm. like really strong reason. And so sometimes we almost have to make something be worse to be able to get to something else, Mm. as opposed to just wondering if there's times to be okay to say, I think this was a lovely season and I'm looking forward to another one. Mm. Uh, So I wonder about that. I I mean, I don't know. I don't know that for you, obviously, but I just wonder that in general for people. Um, But it just... But that's that's mm. good. Like in the same way that it's difficult for people to wrap their minds around the idea of divorce... It's difficult for people to wrap their minds around the idea of leaving a church mm. willingly mm-hmm. for, again, for whatever reasons that like happened in your life to mm-hmm. elicit that response. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just not language for that. No. We don't have language in our society to navigate that. Nope. Mm. Okay, I've I've got another thing that I, I listened to this other episode of this podcast with um, the uh, what was it Women in Youth Ministry podcast, mm-hmm. and you had a, a bit on there. And near the end of it, you started talking, and I think we've alluded to it already: is the idea of the local church versus mm-hmm. something like the mega church. Mm-hmm. And the way that you were describing it just now was reminded me of something more akin to like a family business versus a mega corporation hmm. or mm-hmm. you know something like that where you have yeah. a base like ground level brick and mortar type model versus something like coca-cola right which is this <laughs> global conglomerate of yeah right and like the the first yeah. example that i'm thinking of and like i've watched a lot of documentaries i've seen a lot of stuff like the first thing that i'm thinking of is like um there was this documentary series on discovery plus about hillsong church and the first episode they were talking about hillsong as a corporation Mm. and that it started as a church but it is not a church it is a global corporation and they have a marketing department and they have a school and their exports are the school advertising and the music and it's a business it's a global corporate business it's far from a church now um and then i think of the church that i attend which is very chill, very small. Um, we're, we just started our 10th year as a church, which is kind of cool. That's a long time. And uh, it, it still feels like, like what you were describing as that smaller family unit. And there's no ego. There's no posturing. There's no, um, there's none of that like cult of personality in this Mm. church it's all about like this church is here for people how can we be here for people that Mm -hmm. are in the doors here and also out on the streets in Mm -hmm. calgary or 
What yep. can we do globally? To, right? Like there's, there's so much yep. just about people about this church and the openness of all kinds of interpretations of spirituality and religion and theology and all of that. So um, all of that to say, like <laughs> I was, I was really, um, I was, I was really hopeful about the way that you spoke near the end of that other podcast about the local church and what that means to you. Um, so if maybe just, I, I would, I would love to just like riff on this for a little bit. Like what, what does the local sure. church mean to you? <laughs> um, what does, what does being involved in a like leadership role in a local mm. church mean to you? And like, what hope do you see for the local church and how it can affect change in the world and in the church? Mm. There's a great question. Um, (laughs) Like, what do I see? I just think somewhere when this all began, (laughs) however you want to look at it, Mm -hmm. um, it started with a group of people. Well, it started obviously with Jesus, like the church as we currently know it. Um, But it started with this rabbi that walked around bringing healing and hope everywhere he went. Mm. It started with somebody whose eyes constantly drifted to the one who was hurt, the one who was marginalized, the one Mm -hmm. who was oppressed, the one Mm. nobody else wanted to deal with. And he would intentionally go to them. Mm. And um, everywhere he went, he tried to find a way um, to bring hope without trying to attract a crowd In fact, so often it feels like once there was a crowd, he was almost ready to go off and just go do something else. Like Mm, it was never about that. And then even for the fact that this God who came to earth, the way he came to earth was so unexpected, right? Um, Mm. He didn't come as a king with a blaze of glory. He came as a baby in a manger. Mm -hmm. Um, But then he also just worked with like fishermen and tax collectors and then told them to go do the work. He didn't even go and do, do you know what I mean? And so it never got, it never actually was intended to get centered on anyone particular Mm -hmm. other than um, centered on this kingdom idea of a king that was a different type of a king. Right. Right. And so I just go, um, I just wonder if we've just lost sight of all of that. And so I wonder what it looks like to be people who live in a community whose eyes always drift to the marginalized and the oppressed and the people nobody else wants to notice. Mm. And you try to find a way to bring healing and hope to those people. Yeah. I wonder what it looks like to be a place where every time somebody encounters um, any of the people connected to it, they just feel better because mm. of their connection. And they have no idea who's necessarily in charge. They just know that when they're there, something is better. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. they're inspired to go do better themselves. And Maybe nobody will ever know uh, what it was called or who was in charge or <laughs> if, and maybe nobody collects money. Like, I think I've been so curious about why do we even collect money? I don't know. When I look at the early church so often, it was actually just for people to go give it to somebody else. Right. Right. It yeah, was so that like people weren't to Totally. Yeah. It yeah. was way more about redistribution redistribution than it was actually paying somebody's salary so they could be driving a Mercedes, um, <laughs> which like talk about things that'll make me lose my ever loving mind. So that's, that's I don't fact. know. I fact. just, yeah. And, and I actually think there's like a hunger for that hmm. because I think one of the things I notice culturally right now is, um, and I notice this, especially I think in Gen Z who 
inspire me all the time is mm-hmm. there's this desire to go make a difference and do something, mm-hmm. right? I think it's why when you watch, and I'm not trying to make a value statement on any of these things, but you watch the pride movement, you watch BLM, you watch the women's movement, you watch the climate yeah. movement, whatever yeah. you want to call. It's all about saying like, yeah. isn't there a way for us to yeah. do something together and make it better? Yeah. Um, yeah. Like take actionable steps as a society 100%. towards bettering us. Yeah, totally. And then I just go, man, shouldn't that be actually like the best movement? And wow. <laughs> yeah. Should be the Jesus movement, but like yeah. not and maybe, like, yeah. but like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Doesn't that sound yeah more like the gospel than what we see in church these totally. days anyway yeah yeah. Like, hmm. yeah i like that it's a good that's a good uh let's just end the podcast there okay yeah <laughs> cool good chat well, like good with, chat. with all talk, the stuff talk. that we're dealing with today like lgbtq issues or blm or you know climate change like there's there there seems to be so much like darkness and despair and pain and trouble and unrest and all of this, like what, what role do you think the church has in bringing healing and then even bringing hope to people? Mm. It should be about both those things. I just feel like what we're known for, we, if I want to even clump myself in that category, (laughs) when I think about that is more about being known for what we don't believe in than our generosity for what we were known for. And I just think um, we're so quick to want to make value statements and draw moral lines in the ground instead of being about loving people well Mm. and inviting them towards something that is better. And I just think, man, we're so quick to want to I feel like the argument people make all the time is like, well, I think Jesus was always like, well, go and sin no more. So we have to tell people not to sin. Well, number one, it was God saying it. And so I'm more comfortable with him making that judgment call than somebody else. Right. But (laughs) so like he can go on and make that call. Yeah. Um, But I also just go, but also what did he do all before that? It was like actually sitting with someone. It was actually Mm. loving them. It was not, it was inviting them towards something over and over and over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I just wish that that's what we could be known for. I wish we could be known for being people that constantly just invited someone towards better, that we were constantly loving people and just sitting with them in whatever space they were in and just saying, how can I be present with you? Mm -hmm. Because I think there's a God who loves you so much. He'd love to be present with you. Mm, I don't think we're actually hopeless. And I think one of the saddest things is that the world can feel so wildly hopeless right mm, now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does kind of feel like we're just like on this rocket ship towards destruction, yes, right? Where you're just yes, like, well, yeah. any, like, will anything be okay? And it's will like, we should make it. <laughs> I mean, truly, I was talking to my youngest not long ago, and they totally said that. They were like, yeah. you know, is there any hope for anything? And I was like, yeah. I mean, yes, I fundamentally believe that there is. Yeah. However, I get it. Like, totally. We don't know. Yeah. The last few years have just showed us that it feels like everything is on fire so much so. um yeah and so then how do you get to be a part of being like a non-print like non-anxious presence of kindness and generosity and hope yeah um well and generally just like pulling ourselves out of whatever happened in the last few years like yeah we all know what happened, but can we please move on? But like, there's just, I think, well, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but there's just, 
a lot of hurt and whatever all happened. And now you have to figure out how to mend bridges or decide if you want to have those bridges anymore. And it's, yeah, totally. I get it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of that really happened in like 2016 with Trump Mm. and the church, especially in the States, like <laughs> the faceless abort, are just abort, made right abort, now. Abort, <laughs> abort, abort. Like, you want me to start like, twitching right I now? Know. Let's not like, and say we did. Like, we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. But the, I'm fine. The, the, but like the, the, hurt, the hurt that a lot of people felt at that time because of the overwhelming support of the white evangelical church in America sure. for a candidate of Donald Trump, who is the exact opposite of everything Christ-like. Huh. was staggering and so. it made people question everything about what it is that they were raised to believe because the people that mm. told them the people that were in those positions over them that taught them sunday school were voting for trump right and like you know how do you reconcile that like that's huge and like we don't have to get into the whole trump and white evangelicalism let's shift There's into plenty politics. Of other podcast episodes there but <laughs> like hard pass but, it, but what's crazy is how quick we will so not to totally talk about that but how yes. quick we are as christians if we think something is going to get us our way whatever that way is that sure. we're currently on yeah that yeah. we will hitch ourselves to a power that is uh, so contradictory totally. to the actual power we've been told we can walk in as people totally. of faith yeah. Yeah. and yeah. how ridiculous we end up looking when we decide to do that mm-hmm. on whatever side of the spectrum you want to totally. be Totally. Yeah. Well, and even whatever, not even just politics related, like anything and everything, 100%. anytime that there's leadership involved, where, where do you stand and how do you stand there? Totally. Yeah. 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 It's crazy. Oh my goodness. I think my heart finally, my heart rate just came back down. <laughs> we can continue now. I sorry, got bro. stressed there for a second. I was sorry, like, sorry, Jameson, no, bad. don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Don't, don't, no, he said Trump. Dang it. Kate, I guess don't, we're going don't, there. Don't, don't. <laughs> don't play the tea card. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I agree. I'm, though. I'm, I've been very, um, curious about well not curious but more just i'm i wonder how we got to this place as a society and more specifically with the church where i i guess this kind of goes back to the to what we were saying about like kind of cult of personality stuff within the church Mm -hmm. like how how did we get to this place as people that call themselves um christ followers where we latch on so tightly to someone in a charismatic mm-hmm. or with a charismatic bent or with power. Like I'm thinking about how the amount of times that we've seen in human history where you introduce religion and authoritarianism mm. and you put them together, it never ends well. And we still yeah. do it. We do it all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. And <laughs> like the, the authoritarianism now has is like the wolf in sheep's clothing of charisma. Mm-hmm. And mm. I don't know, what what does that make you think of? Well, I just feel like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, uh, particularly now, what our cultural, like, passion is for celebrity and for um, 
But I think it's always just power. Like at the end of the day, and maybe that sounds ridiculous, but I think everything is connected to power in some way, shape or form. Mm -hmm. And that everybody Mm -hmm. wishes to a certain extent they had a level of power or they were connected to somebody that had power. Um, And whatever type of power that is, whether it is um, like relational power, whether it is um, financial power, whatever the type of power Mm -hmm. it is that appeals to you. Uh, I think there's always been a draw and I think kind of from the beginning of time, right, there's people who follow people and you follow them for certain reasons, but there's something weird in this like almost false (laughs) alternate universe of Christianity um, that exists like within culture where there's like a whole other layer of celebrity culture. Um, I would say, especially currently where people just want to be connected to celebrity in some way, Mm -hmm. shape or form. Mm -hmm. And so there is something about like, if they're an influencer or they have whatever platform they get to speak on or whatever, whatever thing they have that people want to hitch their cart to it. Um, they want to be connected to something like that. And then it almost becomes a self-fulfilling like prophecy of insanity because then that person becomes larger than life. Mm, Uh, They become somebody who people dismiss things they don't like because of the allure that they do like. And eventually it puts that person in a position where they are outside of being able to be accountable for anything. And it puts everybody else at like high risk to be wildly mm. hurt by that person, right? So there's something right. something about that that's all connected still to something, I don't know, connected to power and but I mean power like ultimately power feels good. We all know that. Sure. But how you handle yeah. and harness that power. Right. That's I mean, the scary it's like, part. Well, it is. I mean, we all learned this in junior high, right? It's like you wanted to be one of the cool kids, but you didn't like all at the yeah. same time because there was social power there. Right. Or totally. you wanted to be the teacher's favorite because then at least you had a different kind of power. Totally. Or you wanted to be like, there's always somewhere that you want to fit yeah. because it gives you something. Totally. Uh, and that's just. But it also takes away from other things too, which is fascinating. 100%. Like to yeah. become the teacher's pet. That's. It's gutsy because then it's, no one yeah. else in that class likes you. Like, like you totally. might get power, but there's sacrifices that got to be made. Hundred you know? percent. And also, sometimes as the teacher, we don't like the teacher's pet. <laughs> so look out, there. Like, right? Like this, this, this kid's just annoying. Like, Leave what's he me doing? alone. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But it's funny though. Like, legitimately, you're right. Like, yeah, you're given that power, or it is you know bestowed upon you, however you get it. But yeah, you can you can do good with it or you can do real bad harm with it, which is totally quite scary. Yeah. Little Uncle Ben speech there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, is that yeah. Spider Man reference? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Spider-Man. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. even know that. With great Look power at me comes go. Great, great, comes great responsibility. responsibility. Oh, yeah. There it is. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I knew it without knowing it. You're, you're, you're too busy listening to Taylor Swift and not watching enough Marvel movies. Oh, you're missing out. Those Marvel movies are good. They're good, They're man. good, but Taylor Swift's more relevant right now. Okay. I don't know. That, that new Spider-Verse movie, though. I haven't seen it. was so. kind of incredible. I haven't uh, seen it. Was kind of, it was yep. kind of insane. Yeah. Yep. I'm just yeah. waiting for the Eras tour to come to theaters, so <laughs> it's fine. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Um, okay, I 
I like this this talk of power now because a Jesus was against every type of power mm-hmm. that he that he was in the world with at the time, be it the king, be it Rome, yep. be it the the religious elite, all of that. Um, and then the the other thing I'm thinking with power now and as it relates to um, people in positions of power abusing their power and then the people underneath them getting hurt and getting mm-hmm. um you know shredded under the the bus that is yep you know um and then you get church hurt you get people mm-hmm. that are caused hurt by a religious institution caused um all kinds of pain like legitimate trauma um all of that so there there's a question i think we touched on it before we hit record too like um what 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 do you know about the psychological validity of saying that I was hurt by the church or I experienced trauma in the church or mm-hmm. this was a traumatizing experience for me mm-hmm. within the walls of this mm-hmm. religious institution? Like yeah. maybe speak to the validity of something of somebody saying that they were hurt by the church mm-hmm. or they experienced trauma at the hands of a religious institution. 100%. Um, it is very valid. Um, and there is a ton of research and writing about it actually. So it's fascinating when you watch people dismiss it or want to shove it away. Um, yeah. And is it at the hands of the institution or is it the hands of toxic or abusive people within the institution? However you want to name it. Um, I think there's so many pieces to it, right? There's fascinating um, work done around spiritual abuse in itself. And I don't think we talk about that a lot, but mm-hmm. there's a there's a wild amount of power wielded in statements like God told me mm-hmm. to tell yeah. you, yeah. or I God said this or that, which happens a lot, or because you have quote unquote religious authority, somebody does because mm-hmm. of their title or whatever, when you add a spiritual component to that, it's like a whole different layer than even, it's one thing for your teacher at school to say something, but then you add like a God factor to it. It just adds a whole other layer to it. And then I think the other side is what we were talking about earlier is some of the family pieces. Hmm. Um, There's nobody who can hurt you more than your family. Right. Yeah. Right. Totally. Because they're the people right. closest to you. Because mm-hmm. they're the people closest to you. And I think there's actually a theological component to that, that like in the sense that we were designed to understand ourselves based on our mother and father, right? Like the people who birthed us, so to speak. Yeah. We understand ourselves by looking at them. Right. Um, and we also understand God by understanding our parents. Just talk about all the mm. things that are messed up about that, but it's <laughs> real because it's how it's what you understand. Right. Yeah. And so I think there's a sense like in the family structure of the church, um, as God's family, you understand God also because of the people you interact with spiritually. Right. Um, and so, man, when that hurts you, you're confused about who you are. You're right. confused about who God is. Totally. You're confused about who people are. Yeah. So like the layers of woundedness. So there's a massive psychological validity to it. And I mean, you just have to just go watch a couple of these documentaries or even just look at, I mean, <sighs> 
go look at Mormonism um, and just watch yeah. some of those documentaries if you just want to go on a different route. But it's still about like yeah. spiritual communities yeah. and their impact on your mental wellness based on toxic traits. Totally. Well, I, I need to be like, I think too, like when you create those relationships with, with people in the church and then you start having, like, I feel like it's more prevalent for me now that I'm older and, you know, forming my own opinions and blah, 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 blah. But then you have these people that you've created these established relationships with. And all of a sudden they're saying one thing, they're saying another thing and they're saying another thing. And all like, you're like, wait a second. Like, I thought we were all synced up here, but now I'm like not aligned with what you're saying. And I'm feeling a bit confused about how I'm supposed to view this one particular thing that I'm struggling with. Um, And like the family unit, you know, like you go to your parents, hopefully to a certain extent, um, asking for help and support and all that kind of stuff. And you respect them for whatever, um, you know, advice they might give you like you would go to these church family people with the same thought in mind, but then it's sort of muddled because you're getting all these conflicting viewpoints and you don't know exactly what to do with them. So then church, not that it doesn't become a safe place, but it becomes a very confusing place. It's just sure. difficult to navigate. Yeah. Yep. Like you, you don't know what's up and what's down. Yeah. Yep. Huh. This whole family thing is really fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, we've we've heard it described as like the family of Christ and the family of God and all that mm-hmm. before. But the way that like psychologically that unfolds is like super interesting. Yeah. I remember when I worked with, um, yeah, I just worked with a therapist on that at one point. We were just doing some training and they started talking about, well, it was a leadership coach and a therapist and talking about like when you start to view the church as a family system, and I was like, whoa. And then, and then I started doing some reading on it yeah. and some more studying on it. And I was like, oh, yeah. And it makes so much more sense to why. Totally. Like change in the church is really hard. Like yeah. there's so many things then that you can go and look at, like from 100%. a leadership perspective, from a learning perspective. Yeah. But I think from honestly, also from like a woundedness perspective or how you find healing or how you understand why something there hurts more than if it happens at right. work. Or yeah. it happens, yeah. right? Like you're like, now why is this one so bad? Yeah. That's why. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, yeah. it, it carries that spiritual layer on top of it that totally. it makes it cut so much deeper. Way really. deeper. And yeah. I feel like we're not new to this idea of church family, but, but you know, specifically putting it right parallel with your yeah. like biological family is just kind of like a <sighs> mind-blown <laughs> experience. Yeah. That's good. And also... Good luck to me. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. 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 (laughs) To us all. Cheers. Speaking of of the psychology of it too, like a lot of experience of mine growing up in the church was that modern psychology and modern science is like, is trying to twist people or it's trying to bring people away from God. And there's this anti- psychology sentiment there's this anti-science sentiment that i really experienced growing up in the church and and like i was taught like for example i was taught in my christian school growing up that scientists were 
scientists came up with the idea of evolution to disprove the existence of God. And I'm like, that's just not true. <laughs> it's just not true. <laughs> that's completely untrue. That's like, very really, unscientific you, of you, you think, to say. You think, you think yourself so high that you think all of science is out to get you? Like, yeah. and, then, and then in the same breath on a Sunday morning, it's like, well, we can't let our egos drive us. Well, bro. <laughs> well, bro, is right. You better check yourself. Yeah, well, check like, yourself. For you to think you're so big that everyone's actually after you, but also yeah. to think God is so small yeah. that he's threatened by science yeah. or yeah. threatened yeah. by psychology. I'm like, or he created it and he <laughs> yeah. created the minds that are thinking about it, right? Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. Bom, bom, bom. Yeah. Oh, but like, bro. I experienced so much of that, like this resistance to modern medicine and especially as it sure. relates to psychology yep. it's like well you know why can't you just talk to your pastor about the things that you're dealing with and your own inner demons and like you know and then even right even that phrase of like inner demons there's a spiritual component attached to the idea of the thoughts that we have in our own minds that we need to like discuss with a trained licensed therapist instead of right. a right. pastor or a quote-unquote biblical counselor mm -hmm. about whatever it is that's happening in your marriage, or maybe you're depressed, or maybe you're an alcoholic, and like maybe you shouldn't be talking to your pastor about this. I think there's well, I think you know? this is back to Lisette's point at the beginning, though. Can't we do both and? Yeah, <laughs> I thought we lost internet connection. I, I <laughs> <laughs> I, like uh, I get the sentiment of that, but also this okay. I think I did, uh, we did an episode with my brother and sister-in-law. We were yeah. talking about um, at what point should you, in your education, yeah. go to a institution or go mm -hmm. online and like on YouTube. And you know, I learned a lot of stuff on how to do this podcast on YouTube. For sure. Sure, sure. Right? sure. I didn't have to go to school to learn right. how to do podcasting. But my sister-in-law is a music therapist. And so her being in a therapeutic position, she can potentially cause harm to people if she's not educated properly, if she's sure. not doing the proper things with her clients to make mm -hmm. sure that their mental health is being guarded while they're being treated. Um, so there's that delineation, I think, where you know people in a church or in a more leadership position who have this leadership placed on them without any qualification Right. Just called a but that's why I'm saying both and like don't but just they don't understand just focus psychologically on one side of it. Like, of go what, also see of a the thing that they wield and how it can <laughs> potentially harm people. No. <laughs> right. Totally. Yeah. But we, I mean, we do, yeah, no, 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 I, I, I'm like nodding, yes. yes. No, I think we just, yeah. we, we have put too much on who we think, what we think spiritual leaders should do. Um, mm -hmm. And spiritual mm. leaders have put themselves right. in a position where they think they know more than they know. So like a little bit of both. Totally. And yeah. then yeah. you also have so many churches that just throw titles on people's 
with people's names without like right. any level of training. Like even right. the amount of pastors right. I know that I'm like, so who called you a pastor and who decided you were a pastor and when did you right. ever, but it's just yeah. like, well, we just throw that out there. And it's like, well, we don't throw doctor out there. So like right. maybe we yeah. should like consider <laughs> what that means. <laughs> but I also think like we just don't train people well mm-hmm. in the world of ministry. Like I remember, um, yeah. One of my favorite people on the planet who's brilliant, um, Dr. Chap Clark, no. who I remember taking courses with. And I remember him just talking about like, remember yeah. your freaking lane. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, you yeah. are not yeah. like, if my heart is in trouble, I'm not looking for my pastor to do heart surgery. Yeah. And I don't need my doctor to be a Christian. Totally. I just need them to be if really good. If it happens good. to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I actually, and so when we talk <laughs> about we needing a Christian counselor, I'm like, why, why do they have to be a Christian? Like I want somebody who's actually good. Doesn't mean I don't think sometimes Christian counseling is the right answer. It totally. just depends on what, mm-hmm. right? Like, what are we talking about? And so yeah. I just think, like, I, whenever I had, <laughs> yeah. you know, students or adults that I've worked with in the years that are in crisis, I'm always like, well, I'm your pastor. So what that means is I'm going to try to love you really well. I'm going to pray for you. I'm happy to listen anytime. I'm not a professional. I'm not going to act like I am. I'm not a therapist. I don't know how to, I can do triage. That is actually what I'm trained for. I'm trained for decent (laughs) triage. And then we're going to like move you on. I can be an okay first responder. That's about as good as it gets, right? There we go. But I think you're right. But I think it comes from, I mean, we've created just so much of our current climate and maybe Mm. by current, I mean, the last many hundreds of years around like, um, (laughs) like so much fear, like just everything's based around so much fear. And so because it's based around fear, we have to push anything out that Um, threatens what we think is like the church, which actually just ends up counselor. Like great point. Anyway, you know, blah, blah, blah. Do you, do you need that lens in order to resolve this issue that, may not really have anything to do with your faith necessarily. But my question is then, how do you then navigate a family who is going through something where I guess it essentially deconstruction of past and present beliefs are happening, mm. um, you know, transition of uh, just like personal journeys and all that kind of thing. Mm, um, and, yeah. and part of the family is wanting that Christian perspective, which I mean, ultimately is giving them a bias towards themselves and not the person who's experiencing any sort of hurt or trauma or, you know, is going through the deconstruction of what life was before and what it is now for them. How do you, how do you, or maybe, maybe that's a question, like, is it important? Is it valid for the family to have that bias on their side or um, cause I feel like, and I mean, I, I'm skirting around it. I feel like maybe some people can fill in the blanks here, but, um, you know, in order to have a Christian psychologist or social worker or whatever in the, the conversation, um, with someone who is sort of walking away from some of the typical Christian beliefs or standards mm-hmm. or values yeah. or whatever, um, right. like how do you navigate that? Like, I, I feel like it's not fair to that person who's experiencing all of the hurt, um, but I can understand, I guess, why the rest of the family would want the Christian perspective, but it's not going to be helpful to the situation. So this, yeah. this idea of it, you know, why do you need the Christian counselor? I mean, I guess in, in some ways you do in this specific case that I'm thinking of, um, I can see why they would want it, but it's, it's harmful towards this other individual in their family. I don't know how you get around that though. You know, like how do yeah. you, yeah, yeah. 
I don't know. Um, I think what's so hard is um, our current... Let me see if I'm answering the question or maybe just creating more problems. But I, I think like one of the current challenges that I get frustrated about in the, in the way we have built our Christian boxes in North America, let me put it that mm-hmm. way, is that everything has to be right and wrong, black and white. Totally. And so, so much harm ends up getting done when somebody wants to ask questions. Right. The thing that's so fascinating is like the first time we hear God speak in the Bible, he asks a question. When you look at the amount of times Jesus spoke, how often he just asked a question. I don't know why, if we have a God who leaves room for questions all the time, we've created a Christian mm-hmm. system mm-hmm. where we're not allowed to ask questions or totally. it's, become, it's become very unsafe because I yeah. think again, it kind of circles all the way back to the fear thing. We're yeah. so scared that the question totally. might lead you. But then I'm also like what arrogance we have that we're so confident our answer is right. Right. And again, why do we think God is so dang small that he right. can't handle those questions? And so yeah. instead we actually create a space where I, I would hope, when you're in your darkest, hardest time or your family member is struggling with something really deep or they're deconstructing, whatever the Mm -hmm. case may be, that the church would still be a place where a person would be allowed to come and ask. And somebody might even say, I don't know, but I would love to pray with you. And I want you to know you're welcome to continue to answer the questions. Mm -hmm. And we're welcome to like continue to explore that together because then the church would actually become the place where it was okay to do all that. And way less people I think would actually walk away if it was okay to do that. But instead, when you have to protect family members who are struggling from the church isn't that about the saddest thing you've ever heard? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the opposite of what is supposed to happen. Right. <laughs> yeah, and totally. I mean, I really had, like, I think you were trying to dodge this, but I will say this about someone I know who said, I would just like to go to a church where it's okay for me to talk about my trans kid. Mm-hmm. Right. Like literally just wow. said this to me not long ago. Yeah. And they said, but I can't even talk about my own child there. Yeah. And they're not trying not safe. To- it's not safe. And they're not even trying to make a moral statement on it. They're not yeah. trying to make even like a theological statement. Yeah. They're just saying, I just want to be, I want it to be okay to talk about my kid. Yeah. Yeah. I want it to be okay for us to wrestle together. Yeah. And we've created systems where we've told people you're not welcome to do that here. Yeah. And I just think, man, when that's what we've created, yeah. Yeah. then of course people are hurt. Yeah. yeah. And, and of course and of people course don't want to be a part leaving. of that. Of mm. course. Yeah, of course. Hmm. And, and then you just look again to where we were somewhere in this conversation. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what did Jesus do? He like literally walked towards those people all the time. Yeah. 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 That's all he did. Totally. He in fact made the religious leaders mad because he kept walking towards them. Yeah. And so I just think, man, how do we walk towards instead? Yeah. How do we go? I don't know. Why do I think I'm so smart that I'm confident in the answer? Like my husband, well, this is a whole other <laughs> rabbit tra- trail that we probably don't need, but we were discussing, <laughs> I was discussing, I was on a rant, uh, which happens fairly frequently. I'd but, never know you to do something like that. <laughs> no, you would never know this. But my frustration with people talking about how scripture like can't have any errors and mm-hmm. so like you just have to believe everything word for word now i believe right. deeply in the value of the word of god 
So for anyone who's now just like, turn off this podcast, what she's is probably this lady? a psycho. <laughs> but I'm just also like, hi, it was never written in English. And mm. so like, are you really telling me that in translation, there was not an error at some point in an yeah. intent of word? Yeah. Because I yeah. speak another language and some words don't translate totally. well. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. it's like, I also think about it started as an oral tradition. Are you telling yeah. me somebody didn't get it wrong at some point yeah. in the oral tradition? And again, I don't think that actually lowers the value of the word. Yeah. I think it just yeah. makes us a lot more honest in our approach totally. to it. Yeah. And then we have to trust like that maybe there's something bigger that we should all be looking at that would yeah. help us just go, well, I might not have read all of this exactly right. Totally. So let's like look together. Well, and isn't there a degree and like on that train of thought too, isn't there a degree to which like, because we're going through all of these like ginormous, you know, global issues, whether it be all these different movements, whatever the case may be, yeah, they're all coming up kind of at, like almost at the same time, really. And, and stronger you know in other in other areas but like obviously it's an issue and and we can't just ignore it we can't just you know suppress it and say you know sucks to be you sorry that your life is not going better right. like <laughs> right. but you're not a part of my scripture so see you later i guess like and again, that it's it's, it's like boggling. putting god in a box yeah it's saying mm-hmm. that like the god that we that this interpretation believes in fits within the pages of this interpretation within this language in this cultural context. And like, it, it doesn't make sense. Like if you honestly believe that God is bigger than what we can see or imagine or understand, maybe God is bigger than the translation that you ascribe to mm. in the language that you read it in the right. time frame that you read it in with the right. context and mm-hmm. experience and understanding that you have. Yeah. Which again, doesn't mean that it, I don't think that actually devalues anything. I think it actually increases the value of it and it increases the value of who we believe God is and the belief that perhaps he's still at work and Mm. perhaps he's still speaking. So perhaps we can all still learn, right? Like, (laughs) and listen, yeah. 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 I don't don't know what to do then with the people um, that sort of, are a bit more tunnel visioned with that, you know, and, and have the opposite view. Like, no, this is scripture. Scripture is, you know, completely perfect, blah, blah, blah. Like that whole mindset, like how, like to try and like, I like that this, this idea that, you know, we can look at scripture from different angles. We can, we can have conversations that are continuous and that they're open and dialogue is open. And it's not just like, all cut and dry because life is changing. Life changed between now and 2000 years ago. Like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's different. We have to adapt like a little and, bit, but just yeah. a little, we have <laughs> cars now. So, um, but like, you know, you have to adapt and, and then, and that's not even just like a religious faith thing. Like you have to adapt outside of church too. Like I just, I don't know. Anyways, that's maybe my soapbox, but I, yeah. I, it's interesting. But I, I think that yeah. perspective of, of like wanting to maintain a certain interpretation and have certain translations in higher regard than others just goes back to what Lisette said about fear. Mm. That there's, there's mm-hmm. a fear, I think, that lives underneath that, that never really raises its head, but it lives and it swims down there and it influences the way that you read the scripture. Like I'm right. thinking about, 
like I was raised in a really, really Calvinist church, like full on five point Calvinism. Excellent. The first 10. Oh yeah. Like real juicy stuff. The first tenet of which is total depravity, which Mm. teaches that you are broken and that you are completely irredeemable, that you are entirely depraved down to every, like every fiber of your being is drenched in sin and that there is no good in you. And I like completely reject that now, but that entire theological idea of Calvinism came about from John Calvin, who was a lawyer. So he saw the world in a very right or wrong, Mm. um, more Mm -hmm. like judiciary type Mm -hmm. mindset where Mm -hmm. the good will thrive and the evil will be punished. So that was his entire perspective on life. And he built a theology pulling from passages in the Bible to create that system. Mm. So like, no wonder so much of it has a lot of law and a lot of right versus wrong and the evil will earn justice. And, you know, God is (laughs) above punity and all of this, right? Like there's the sovereignty of God, but there's with that, there's like a power dynamic that comes in there too. Right. Yep. So like, it's, it's the fear that I'm sure John Calvin likely had about what he saw in himself and he built a theology around it. And then you also have people that take that theology and they, they spin it to give themselves power over mm. people hmm. either either in a like pastoral way or maybe in just an intellectual way mm-hmm. right like they think that yep. they're intellectually superior and that they have more power than other people because of the theology that they ascribe to right like the that's I, a whole other that that whole idea of like fear <laughs> that's what role it plays that rings real true yeah. yeah. Like, yep. Because you're so scared that if somebody said that that didn't work that way, does that mean that none of it works that way? Totally. Right. Yeah. What a sad way to approach it, right. right? As opposed to going like, I wonder if there's, you know, multiple ways for us to look at it. Like, I feel not scared at the idea of a seven day creation. I also feel not scared at a multi-thousand year evolution yeah. process yeah. that God started at some point. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't, neither of those things change my belief that there's a God that's really big. Yeah. But if I had to subscribe to one, like a seven day creation, for instance, man, I'm going to make somebody so mad for saying that. But <laughs> if I had to subscribe to that and then somebody showed me that that wasn't true, and that therefore meant that nothing I believed was true. That feels like such a sad way to approach faith. And again, yeah. like makes it so small. Mm. Right. And so yeah. I, I just think fear, yeah, fear plays a wild role in it. Because yeah. um, there's no room for questions then. Well, mm-hmm. yeah. That, Which again, and I, like that's, that's what, I, that's what we love about this is we can ask questions and yeah. we should ask questions. We should. Because right? God asks should, questions and Jesus asks questions. Yeah. Totally. Why can't we ask questions? <laughs> and there should be a mystery <laughs> to it because yeah. if we can figure it all out, then God is really not that big. Well, yeah. that's, yeah. Oh. That's, like, I and then he's not worth worshiping. No. <laughs> I can't think of how many times in any of my church experiences that I somewhere along the way have been told, like, if you feel like you've got it all figured out and you have no questions to ask, then you're, you're not doing it right. Like you, you you will not figure it out. You will still have questions when you come face to face with him at them pearly gates. And if you don't, man, 
You missed something. Who are you? <laughs> like, my goodness. Yeah, that's yeah, nutty, nutty, nutty. Um, I I'm gonna ask one more question, and then I think I think we've had a great conversation. So I don't know yeah. how long this conver- I don't know how long this question will take us, but hopefully it's a goodie but a quickie. <laughs> um, what is something about the church? What is something about the church currently? with all of this, you know, sort of, I wouldn't say pessimistic or optimistic in any way, but just like this whole conversation that we've had, you know, being about church hurt, being about fear, being about kind of the just unfortunate things that have unfolded due to X number of things, um, events, whatever. Um, But what is something about the church currently that gives you hope? I think what gives me hope is there's people having conversations like this. Mm. I actually think this gives me hope. Mm. It gives me hope that somebody is like courageous enough to say, well, what if these things are true? And what if this is still true too? Mm -hmm. What Mm. if it's okay for us to ask these questions and push these buttons and wonder some things and then it's still true. um, And there's maybe something we can go do about it. I think it gives me hope to watch a lot of young people I know who have maybe walked away from what we would consider traditional church, um, who who I see actually deeply loving God and serving people and trying to make a difference in the mm. world, um, who just keep trying um, despite all the things that have been hard and difficult. Right. Um, so I think those are the things that give me hope. I think there's the things we don't hear about are all these little places where there's just a few people who are gathering to try to Mm -hmm. just like make a difference somewhere and they exist all over the place. Um, and I think we've actually taken so much credit away from that to put it on the, you know, to put it in the mega church, businessy, flashy, whatever show, um, and just forgotten that there's actually all these little pockets that nobody knows about where, just good is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's, that gives me hope. Um, yeah, that's cool. I like that. That's huge, man. Yeah. Oh man. I could talk about this kind of stuff for, I know you weeks. could, but some of us have to sleep, man. <laughs> I know. I was like, well, I got to get up really early yeah. tomorrow for another yeah. full day of meeting. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. facts. <laughs> Um, Lisette, where, where can, where can people find you if they want to connect with you or if they want to learn more about you or if, uh, if there's any work that yeah. you've got out there, where, where can people find you at? You, I really hate that. I'm going to say this. I just have a website. That's maybe a really easy place to find me. Um, that's solid or, <laughs> social that. media. or like social media is fine. <laughs> like either is fine. You can come hang out. She's um, verified everyone. If you want a blue check mark that actually responds to you sometimes on Instagram, go follow her. There we go. Sometimes is right. It takes a little time, but I'll get there. Um, <laughs> we, no, we got forever. her. I'm happy to have the conversation. And uh, for any of you out there, Wondering if you can talk about the thing that's really hard. I'll listen. Mm. That's true. Damn. That's cool. Here we go. She's got question boxes too. It's fun. <laughs> I love it. I'm, I'm also going to put a link in the show notes about the, or, um, to that other podcast that you did for the women in youth ministry. Because oh, yeah. sure. I think that was yeah. a great conversation. Like I oh, listened to you. it a few times. Yeah. It, was, oh. it was very good. So thank you. Um, mm-hmm. Thank you so much. As was this one. This was so good. As was this one. Thank you guys. This was great. Thank you. (laughs) 
Yeah. I appreciate you guys having me. It's fun. feels like a very fun full circle moment with you, especially Andrea. So that's fun. That's cool. Here for the full circle moments. Here we are. Here we are. We love a full circle. Yes. Yes. She's seen me in some of the weirdest times of my life. So, uh, well, that's probably mutual. So here we are. Well, but see, from my perspective, the people who were the leaders always had it together. You know what I mean? Which lies. Who so knows what lies. that means? But <laughs> we figure it out later on in life. But uh, at the time, sure at the time, sure I Thanks was the hot mess. You were the one that had it together. So. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. No, yeah, no. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for taking the time, even though you're near a beach and could be watching the sunset on a whatever evening <laughs> down there. It's all good. It is all good. It was my pleasure, genuinely. So thank you guys. Seriously. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. 